Joanna, do you ever wish you could definitively prove that you had the right opinions about movies? Uh, yeah, Neil, because I do have the right opinions about movies and television. Right, Dave? No, because I'm more right about those things, and I demand trial by content. Oh boy, what is trial by content? Each week, we'll take on a huge question. Each of us will bring a choice, and combined with listener submissions and your votes, we will come to a decision. It's trial by content every Tuesday on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or wherever you're listening right now. Don't let Neil win. Don't let Dave win. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hello, everyone. Today is Monday, March 21st. Happy spring. And today I will be joined by Bloomberg's Lucas Shaw, who writes a great newsletter on entertainment and music. We will be talking crypto, but not in a way that will make your ears bleed. It will be about crypto and Hollywood and are the middlemen that have dominated the entertainment industry for decades suddenly on blast. Uh, we'll have some opinions on that. We're also going to talk Bob versus Bob and the battle at Disney, which is a big topic in entertainment these days. And speaking of Disney, the West Side Story remake, the star, Rachel Zegler, says she doesn't have a ticket to the Oscars. Can that be true? We will break it down. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we're here with Lucas Shaw. He runs the entertainment and media team at Bloomberg, and he writes a fantastic newsletter called Screen Time. You're really the OG of the entertainment newsletters, even though you're younger than me. You've been doing it a while now. Um, and congrats on that. And Screen Time is a great newsletter. So I want to talk a little bit about something you wrote this past week, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, is this notion of you know NFTs, crypto, blockchain, the metaverse, Web3, whatever you want to call the next iteration of the online ecosystem, and how that's going to impact entertainment, and specifically as it relates to creators and people who want to get an audience for what they creatively express themselves with. So your your take on this is that yes these technologies really do expand the ability for creators to go directly to their audience and potentially impacting the middlemen in Hollywood and you know the history of entertainment has really been a history of middlemen everything from you know the studio that is required to buy your script and make your movie and finance it to the music industry that can promote and distribute your record um, to the television industry. You know, you literally had to have access to the airwaves to be able to become a television star. That's kind of going away with the emergence of new technologies, or is it? I mean, that's kind of what you pondered. 
there's this strong desire on the part of the artist and on the part of sort of the entrepreneurs who are starting these companies and whatever the new technology is to get rid of them. Cause it's, it's understandable if you're an actor, you're a musician and you have to give away, if you're an actor, you're giving away 10% to your manager, 10% to your agent, 50% or whatever it is to the federal government, all those things. And then you're left with a much smaller portion than you want. If you're a musician, you're in an even worse position. Uh, because oftentimes, at least historically, those label contracts mean that you get a, a minority of the revenue you generate and you've taken such a big advance, you spend your whole career trying to, to pay that back. So I, I understand the desire to get rid of it. Um, it's just the middleman is, is very hard to completely eradicate. And so I think what we've seen first with the advent of social media and then whatever the impact is of these new technologies is the role of the middleman may shrink a little bit or the power at the very least the power of the artist increases but the need for assistance the need for to have for this system around you is very hard to get rid of and that's what makes this whole debate interesting right because the very notion of web3 is a completely decentralized internet yeah and you make the point that you know even artists who have all the choices in the world because they are well financed and you know have made a career for themselves people like taylor swift even Taylor Swift chose to do a deal with a music label. I mean, she and Universal have a deal. Now, the difference is, I know a little bit about that deal, and it is extremely favorable to Taylor Swift, <laughs> meaning the leverage in that relationship is all on her. And now, that would have been the case for a music star 20, 30 years ago, but it's even more so now because these labels know that they are not the only game in town and that these artists, if they are well-capitalized, she could have gone out raised money and created her own, her own label and her own music kind of distribution platform for herself. Yeah. And, you know, she, she does own the masters for what she's recording now. And, and she got in that, a, a very famous fight with uh, Scooter Braun, the manager, and then the, the head of big machine, her old record label, because she wanted to buy those masters back and they wouldn't allow her. But if you think about what we've seen, let's just say in music over the last little bit, you have all these artists, who, as they've gotten to the end of their career, have sold those masters and those catalogs that they had. And who do they sell them to? The record labels and the music publishers. And so it becomes somewhat of a self-perpetuating cycle where you have the power now to claim ownership. More artists can get ownership of their work than ever before. But, but when push comes to shove or in the long run, there are going to be these bodies that collect copyrights or collect works because there's efficiency in centralization. Right. And that's, I think, what ultimately the artists realize is that it's kind of a pain in the ass to run your own business. You know, if you are a creative person and yes, you have good representatives, but there is value, I think, in aligning yourself with a professional exploiter of creative talent, which is essentially what these companies are. I mean, look, you're, you're in a, in a, in a way you're living proof of this right now, right? We're in a moment in journalism where you have a lot of writers who are choosing to start their own substacks, right? Or start their own newsletter, start their own podcast. There's, there's this belief that you can be, make more money or uh, and have more freedom by going it on your own. But the, one of the ways I viewed Puck and a, and a couple of the other companies like it is they're sort of taking some of the best parts of a big media organization. You know, you, you have some resources, you have some editors, you have... But you and then you pair that with these singular talents who can still have that individual voice. That makes more sense to me than than the people who just go it alone because it's really hard to do that. You know, most artists don't want to deal with all of the headaches that come with running their own business. There are a few who do, and then and there are some who want to build something. You know, Reese Witherspoon is pretty clearly, uh, you know, a, a great entrepreneur. 
But Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, but Reese Witherspoon also takes acting jobs for a fee. Yeah, no, that's where I was. But Reese Witherspoon, the actress, actress Reese Witherspoon, the producer, still wants to work with Netflix. She still wants to work with Warner Brothers. She still wants to work with whatever the big company is. Addison Ray is a good example because here's someone who got very, very famous on TikTok. She has, you know, millions and millions of followers. But then when it came time to start to really monetize and grow out her profile, what did she do? She does a Netflix deal. So, you know, the, that is a perfect example of someone who is self-made, but then plugs into the matrix of traditional Hollywood when they want to get real famous. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's, then the first step often in that is, is signing an agent or a manager because they have the connections to know, okay, well, here's an opportunity for you in podcasting. Here's an opportunity for you in acting. Here's some brand deals that we can bring you. Um, and a, a, as long as you have agencies that represent the majority of big talent and you have studios that own the majority of catalogs and music and so on and so forth, it's very hard to just completely, um, you know, completely break that down. It's, it's something that, you know, I remember we had this same debate several years ago in social because of social media, which is a big mm -hmm. part of, you know, quote unquote, web two, where there was a belief that artists, because they now could market their own work and push it out on the internet without anyone's help, that they would no longer need the studio or the record label. And that just didn't come to, to pass. Right. And, you know, I people say to me all the time, what is the future of the Hollywood talent agencies? Do Will artists still need them? And you know, I, I think that their role will change. And full disclosure here, my wife is a talent manager and represents actors, so perhaps that's <laughs> influencing my perspective on this. But I do think there will always be a role for smart, strategic representatives for creative people to think and you know make them as much and maximize their value. When Chance the Rapper was the darling of the music world, the one major artist who could completely go independent, the one thing that Chance the Rapper had was a manager. Right. And how did that work out when he started his own label and, you know, went went rogue? Uh, well, his first album did tremendously well. He got, you know, he won Best New Artist. I think he might have even won Best Rap Album at the Grammys. Uh, but then he and his manager had a huge falling out. They're embroiled in a lawsuit and he hasn't really released a big hit song since then. All right. Let's move on a little bit. Um, you know, you and I have been following this story as it unfolds. I guess the the shorthand is Bob versus Bob. For those who don't know, the former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger, left last year. He actually stepped down from the CEO role before that, but he was still on the board as the chairman until this, this past December. This past weekend, there was a piece in, there were two pieces actually, one in the Wall Street Journal discussing some of the problems with Chapek and some of the um, strategic errors he's made. And then there was a piece in CNBC by Alex Sherman that I'm sure you read, which delved into the personal relationship between Bob and Bob and the fact that Iger's decision to stay on during the COVID pandemic and, quote, help out Bob Chapek did not go over well with Chapek. He bristled at that. It seems this all seems like a little bit of, you know, 90s style executive intrigue, you know, big egos fighting. But is it? Is this something that people who follow Disney or shareholders in the Walt Disney Company should be concerned about? Well, the the current kind of unrest with employees is only a concern to investors if it leads to a lot of talent leaving, if this bad culture leads to bad performance, right? Because a lot of what we have right now is a really interesting culture story and a really interesting media story. 
it's not necessarily a huge business story, right? It's not going to affect how many people sign up for Disney Plus unless there is this broader cultural backlash to Disney, which I don't sense there is because Disney is sort of Bob Chapek already fell on his sword and said he screwed up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do think it's just kind of fascinating that Bob Iger, who spends you know five years retiring and unretiring, going through multiple different potential successors finally settles on a guy and then even then can't really back away. And one of the things I've been personally curious about in, in all these stories, both the, the, the two that you referenced and, and others recently, is how much Iger or people affiliated with him are sort of taking it out on Chapek and putting him in a, an uncomfortable spot. Well, the the JPEG people absolutely believe the Iger people are behind a lot of these things. You know, I, I don't know for a fact. I know Iger and his former communications person are both very savvy when it comes to media. There were some specific moves that, in retrospect, um, are telling the fact that JPEG's big first media piece he did with the Financial Times did not have a quote from Iger in it, which is telling to me because you know how these things work. If you know, they're doing a piece on him and it's the, you know, they're participating. Usually the company will rally together and there will be a nice quote from the previous guy. Um, the fact that that didn't happen was telling to me. And, you know, Iger is a proud guy. He did not step into a new role somewhere, although he is on the board of this metaverse company. Um, but he's out there now. He's, you know, and he's looking and I think he's probably looking at how Chapek is handling things and saying, oof, you stepped in it. You know, the, the Florida thing is a 100% self-inflicted wound. You know, they they could have avoided this. And I think the Iger people probably would have played this a little bit more savvily. But, but what is the upside if you're Iger, if you're Zenya, the, the communications person he referenced, if you're any of these people in in going after Chapek? Like he's having, he seems to be having enough of a kind of a hard time as it is in the press there's not, I mean, in, in a weird way, I would argue that it actually tarnishes his legacy a little bit um, if if the guy he picks to be a successor in the company stumbles so so obviously, unless there is a desire to, unless you feel this reinforces that it makes Iger look like you know a hero and that nobody could possibly step into his shoes. I think there may be a little bit of that. You're thinking rationally here, not ego driven, which I think, you know, the guys at this level, that's kind of how they think. And also imagine, you know, Iger ran that company for 15 years. It was his life. It was Zenia's life as well. And, you know, to leave and then in the first months gone to see the company embroiled in a easily preventable situation like the Florida situation or the Scarlett Johansson situation, frankly, where, you know, they got into a lawsuit with a major star over a essentially a squabble over money like money is fixable this right. was not a philosophical debate they she just wanted to get paid for her movie when they put it on disney plus and chapek drew a line in the sand i think underestimated how much this would turn into a thing and that's the same with florida disney is a different kind of company people feel an emotional connection to it it stands for something in the minds of millions of families you can't treat it like it's walmart or bp which is where the previous communications person came from or a company that does not have that headspace it's yeah it's been really interesting to watch as disney has drawn all the fire for this, even though Comcast, which has thousands of theme park employees and theme parks in Florida, has said nothing. All the cruise lines, which operate 
largely out of Florida have said nothing. But to your point, because Disney kind of looms large, looms large over society, and because it is just by you know by market cap and by revenue the biggest, is the one that uh, is the one that has been the target for everybody. Staying on Disney for a moment, I, I know it feels like we're piling on, but this story is too funny to uh, not funny, but it's 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 too interesting to ignore. Um, the uh, the star of West Side Story, Rachel Zegler, announced on her Instagram yesterday that she was not invited to the Oscars, which are taking place next Sunday, and she instead will be watching from home on her couch and cheering on her fans, and ultimately she's hoping for a miracle at the last minute to get an invite to the Oscars. Now, that went over, let's just say, not well with the, you know, film Twitter community who is pointing out that, you know, she is exactly the kind of young, diverse star that ABC and Disney should be promoting on the Oscars. You know, what if the film wins? Is Spielberg going to get up there and, you know, thank the star of the movie in absentia? Um on the other side, I've talked to some Disney insiders that point out that she is currently shooting the Snow White sequel in London. She is number one on the call sheet to all of a sudden pick her up and send her to L.A. for a couple days would cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in added in added production costs and delays. And she's not nominated. She's not presenting. Uh, this is what happens. You know, she's a young actress. She's probably going to have to learn that in her career, you know, she's going to miss out on some fun things because of work. Um, I don't know. Where, whose side do you take on that one? I just, I would love to know what motivated it, right? Like, did did she have someone in her ear saying, how are you not invited? You should say something. Was she just- I heard there was a whole back and forth. There, there was a big discussion internally as to whether to send her. And they ultimately decided that, that it was too expensive and would be too disruptive to the movie. Because this is all Disney here. ABC is Disney. Sure. The movie was released by Disney. Her new movie is Disney. So they were all discussing this and then decided. And then she goes public and it blows up. If that's the case, then I'm definitely definitely on her side. Because- we're talking about a few hundred thousand dollars. What is this to a company worth billions of dollars that is spending, going to make a lot more than that in, in ad revenue on the Oscars? The budget for that movie is is huge. If you're trying to cult, I mean, in a, in a weird way, and I'm probably reading too much into this, but you brought up, we talked about Scarlett Johansson and sort of the, the Chapek response to that. And one of the real problems there was it was it was an unfriendly move to talent. And you don't want mm. to do that if you're the CEO of the biggest entertainment company in the world. In this case, it is, again, a move that is sort of unfriendly to talent. If you have the star actress in a live action reboot of one of your most famous stories who is in a movie that's up for a bunch of Oscars, who wants to go to the Oscars, I feel like you find a way to make that happen and you you bite the money because it's worth her being really happy with you for making it happen. Uh, I agree, and I think you're you're not mentioning the elephant in the room here, which is Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg hates to be embarrassed. He is very careful about his public image, and guess what? He's going to be asked about on the red carpet if they don't get her to that show. Why didn't? Why isn't Rachel Zegler here? Well, you know, take what? Why did you ask that she be invited? Why wasn't she invited? Very embarrassing for him. Spielberg also worth billions of dollars. He is one of the wealthiest filmmakers who has ever lived. He could pay the production over costs if they wanted to bring her out here. Also, isn't West Side Story is a Disney movie because it was a Fox movie that part yes. of the studio that they bought. So it's Disney's best shot at winning an Oscar this year. Other, I mean, if you take out the animated movie prize that they will almost certainly win. 
Well, they well they have uh, they have Nightmare Alley through Searchlight as well, but I don't think Nightmare Alley is going to win. West Side Story is a contender in a number of categories. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, but Ariana DeBose, the supporting actress, is likely going to win, and it would be a nice moment if she acknowledged her co-star in the room, and that won't happen if she's not there. Uh, it's just silly to me because it's all in the same family. You know, this is ABC would would is desperately trying to lure young people to watch these awards, you know, to watch the Oscars and um, just do everything you can to get those people there. So there's a reason to watch. Yeah. Although how many people under the age of 30 do you think watched West Side Story? Uh, that's a good question. Probably more now that it's on Disney Plus and HBO Max at the same time, but certainly not in theaters. Um, it was a big flop. And, you know, we can get into the whole mechanics of why that movie actually got made in the first place. But uh, I think this probably will be resolved. I think Spielberg will probably step in. That's my prediction. And you will see Rachel Zegler on the red carpet of the Oscars. That's my prediction. Seems like a safe bet. All right. Lucas, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. We'll have you back soon. And if you don't know Lucas's newsletter, it's called Screen Time. It's available on Bloomberg and it's free. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, Beth. All right, I'm here with producer Craig. Brought him in for my 100% surefire, probable Hollywood prediction of the day. It is Oscar week. How are you doing, Craig? I'm excited. I need to watch about 70% of these best picture doms still. Excellent. Um, I'll give you advice offline on which ones are good and which ones are not good. <laughs> Um, the, uh, so today in honor of Oscar week, I'm going to do my prediction of how many people will actually watch the Oscars last year. It dropped to a all time low of the modern era. 10 million people tuned in to watch the Oscars in a train station where I bet you couldn't even name what won best picture. It was nomad land, um, which is actually a very good movie. It's on Hulu. I recommend it, but nobody tuned in. I think the pandemic really lessened people's interest. Nobody'd seen the movies. Uh, this year, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the ratings will go up, but only slightly. I mean, this is a show that at one point was getting 40 million viewers a year. The year before last, they got to about 23 million. Um, I'm going to split the difference here. I think the Oscar ratings will rise to, I'm going to say, 14.5 million viewers. That is bold. That is a little bit bullish. I think most predictions will be lower than that. And if we were doing... Price is Right style predictions where I could only win if I didn't go over. I probably wouldn't do this. But $14.5 is my bet. Um, do you have a prediction, Craig? I don't have a prediction. I'm not as savvy as you are in terms of rating numbers. However, I'm going to keep track of all of Matt's takes, predictions, whatever we're calling them. We need a better name, by the way. Hollywood Locks? Maybe? I don't know. But I'm going to keep track of all of these at the end of the year. Maybe at the end of every month, we are going to go back and review just how poorly or successfully you've done. Please hold me accountable. I demand it. I, I, uh, I, unlike most pundits, I'm not going to just pretend I never said it. <laughs> I will, uh, I will actually, uh, I will actually take responsibility if I am wrong. So next Monday or Tuesday, we will come back and see if my Oscar ratings prediction is correct. All right. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to Lucas Shaw for joining me from Bloomberg, and we will see you later this week with more Oscar-related stuff. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.